Human Torch was denied a <laughs> bank loan. <laughs> I don't even have anything to respond. <laughs> I like that. That's really good. It's from Anchorman. Is it? <laughs> oh, that's amazing. The opening scene is him just talking into the microphone. He does a bunch of vocal warm-ups that are all fake. He starts out with real ones, and he goes into fake ones. That's why they're funny. <laughs> the, the human torch was denied a bank loan. <laughs> that's pretty good. Yeah. Okay. I feel the need... I think I'm gonna feel the need to get drunk. Yeah. After this one, mm-hmm. unfortunately. Yeah. Or fortunately. Or fortunately. All right. Welcome back to another episode of the Normal Theater. I feel like I, I try to do this and like look at people in the aisle. While I'm doing it. <laughs> it's like that like uncomfortable thing where like if someone's like playing the guitar at a party and they're like watching you while they're playing. That's I like, thought or like using the bathroom. Like you shouldn't make eye contact with someone <laughs> when you're doing that. <laughs> when are you actually like able to? Well, Make you're eyes. not. You're so obviously not a girl. We go to the bathroom with each other all the time. Oh, like in, like in a onesie bathroom at a bar or something? Anywhere, anywhere. Yeah. And just you stare at each other in the eyes. No, you don't. <laughs> you, you don't. don't. You just you can look away. But like, what sort of bathroom are, would you be in? When like, like, if you're at a party and you're like, let's oh. go to the bathroom mm-hmm. or things like that, you know, you just don't. You don't poop when you do that. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> you really? That's too intimate. What if you're just super drunk and you're like, oh no, I'm pooping. Little Robbie did that to me, actually. That's fucking rude. That <laughs> means you've gone too far. It's gotten too weird. Yeah, and I was like really drunk. It was at a bar, actually. And he start, just starts taking his shit. No. And I was just like, and I was like, okay. And then like, I was a, I pulled a dick move where I actually just like left the bathroom and I left the bathroom door open. Good. And it was at Space Bar. And uh, someone else just came in while he was, like, wiping his ass. Well, I mean, if, you're, if he doesn't care enough about you to not poop, then why care enough about him to sit through it? I mean, I think we can make the argument that he cares about me enough to poop in front of me. Mm-hmm. Three times long enough. Mm-hmm. Welcome back to the Normal Theater Podcast. Welcome welcome back to the Normal Theater Podcast. Hello. Because it's so many. <laughs> Hello. This is the Normal Theater Podcast. Uh, I am your host, Bud Saavedra Coutinho. Mm-hmm. Your other host, Jordan Lopez, is here. Hola. There she is. Queen of queso. Queen. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, the girl with the sexican tattoo. Yeah, queen of queso, hater of plays. That's right. <laughs> Destroyer Se- of plays. Sexicana. In our third seat, we have Kevin. How do you how do you say your last name? I don't, usually. There you go. It's just going to be Kevin this time around. <laughs> Kevin is here. We have really gracious partners who are willing to come to our mm-hmm. podcast. Thank you so much for being here. Sure. I mean, I was tricked into it, but yeah. By who? By my wife. What did, <laughs> you, what did you think you were going to be doing tonight? Well, I mean, play and then, you know, there was drinking and then microphones and then, I don't know, I just figured <laughs> we'd see where the night went. <laughs> here we are. Yeah. Also, it was like, I know that he doesn't, he wasn't doing anything tonight because I'm his partner and I was like, well, I mean, if he's not doing anything I mean, define not doing anything because i'm working my way through gta 4 i'm <laughs> behind you know obviously in the video game scheme of things but uh grand theft auto 4 no but, but behind uh, in relation to what exactly well they're on gta 5 now oh oh okay okay right. i gotcha i don't know these words playstation it's a video gaming system <laughs> <laughs> well 
Um, I think I'm gonna have you scoot in a little bit closer to the microphone. Sure. It's it's a sensitive mic, but not not that's like not that sensitive. And he also has very straight posture. Yeah. Ra- ramrod. So like here. having two two men immediately means that I will be the feminist killjoy of the evening. Like just just by default what? of my personality. <laughs> I mean, oh, that's just that's just the persona that you're gonna take on. No, it's just how, it's just who I am. Like the entire time I'm watching stuff, like like I'm very comfortable with like the fact that I see things and I'm like that is problematic. Like every time I see anything. Uh-huh. Well, good luck finding a problem with this. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Right. Well, no, that's the thing. Right. Uh, so, um. <laughs> Let's cheers. <laughs> cheers. <laughs> Nosferatu. Oh, there we go. So we're drinking Maker's Mark whiskey. Kevin and I chose Takate beer. Jordan is drinking, what is that shit called? <laughs> it is called Screwball. Screwball. It is a peanut butter whiskey. Pe- and yeah, I've seen you take like four sips and it's not, it's not going down smooth, I don't think. I think that you're enjoying it a lot more than you have enjoyed other drinks of that type. Yeah, I'm just not a good drinker. Okay. Oh, it's delicious. It's literally... <laughs> is it? Okay. Well, what I'm saying is that if you speak nice about it, then they'll give you a free bottle. Oh, yeah. No, definitely. Also... We're going for sponsorships. Yeah, we need no. a sponsor, but... Screwball I have a, whiskey, I'm telling you. Which, obviously, they're going to sponsor us. Hey, you're, you're a booze professional, like... And you probably know, like, liquor distributor salespeople. Indirectly, yeah. How do we get a sponsorship? You be real nice. I'll tell you who we don't want. We're we don't gonna... want alcoholic kombucha. Juneshine, very popular right now. They we're, can go we're, fuck themselves. We're going on a trip to a, a, a kombucha dispensary, pretty or not dispensary, a distillery, pretty soon. It's like a whole thing because it's like a beer, uh, you know, uh, uh, beer bar that's right. like for kombucha. Like you know? the yeah. one over here across from Tiger Tiger. Uh, that is Juneshine. Um, but then there must be a bigger one somewhere. Boochcraft. Maybe it's Boochcraft. Um, I think I think Juneshine spun off from Boochcraft. That's what it was, to my yeah. knowledge. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, um, they, they, we we signed up with them to do some big big tour coming up. Yeah. Big kombucha tour coming up. Yeah, I think it's bogus. We had some hard kombucha that Rachel bought that was like four percent, and we drank mm-hmm. it while we were camping last night, and mm-hmm. it was just boring. Sure. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I don't, I don't care for the whole. Well, I think shift. you're coming at it from the wrong direction because the idea is to drink kombucha first, and then the bonus is that there's booze in it. Whereas what you were looking for is booze that was also kombucha. If that makes any sense. Hmm. No, no. I think. <laughs> I mean, yes, it makes sense. But I think I actually was looking. I was looking for tasty kombucha that was sure. also boozy. Right. Um. But you wanted more booze. No, I'm sorry. It tasted bland and boring. Oh, yeah. I thought you meant that it was bland and boring because you weren't getting a buzz. No, no. I'll I'll take. I actually will take like a tasty kombucha that's like vinegary and like kicks you in the nuts. Um, over. <laughs> Jordan's just. It's so annoying because I'm just like it's fucking apple cider blah, 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 apple, apple cider, cider vinegar. <laughs> like every time I have kombucha that isn't the kind that tastes like soda pop, which they now make because and they carry it at Target. Um. I always am like, dude, this is just fucking vinegar. Okay, yeah. I don't have a popular opinion. Yeah, I get good. it. It's good. I like it. <laughs> no, I mean, I understand the the like weirdness in that it's essentially marketed. I thought initially, anyway, as a healthy beverage. Right. And alcohol is inherently unhealthy, and so to combine the two seems silly to me. It's mm-hmm. like the uh, alcoholic uh, sparkling water they have now. Yeah. 
Yeah, what is that? I mean, it's for people who want the booze with none of the guilt, but I mean... I no, know. I think it's, for, it's because of the whole um, La Croix like, mm. thing, and like hipsters love La Croix, La Croix, yeah. La Crocs. How do you say that? The Crow. The Crow. The Crow. The movie. With, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. You had it right the first time, I think. Yeah. Point being, um, I don't think you can have it both ways. I don't like when things try and deny their true nature. <laughs> what? No, no real thing was ever said on this podcast. <clears throat> Just when you said, said that, I immediately was like, yeah, like a werewolf. Like, I, thought, I think of like... <laughs> I think of like monsters in my head. Like, yeah. you're true, be, be real with your true nature. Right. Like, you're an animal. No, I was thinking more like wood paneling. Which I love. Sure. Like, I do love a good I think, frog. I think good, good wood paneling is pretty good. Maybe that's the exception to the rule then. But I don't like things that look like they're not what they are. Like a like a coin purse that looks like a tape. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You well, no. Mm, no. Oh. Like a coin purse that looks like a cassette tape? Mm-hmm. No, because the there wouldn't be an actual cassette tape that would be a coin purse. I mean, I wouldn't want... I don't want a coin purse that looks like a different kind of coin purse. You know? <laughs> like, it should just be the coin purse that it is. I'm trying to work with your metaphor. Um, so you're saying that all, co- all coin purses should just look like coin purses? No. Is that what we were saying? I'm no. saying that a coin purse shouldn't look like a medieval... Uh, bag of coins like you should just have a medieval bag of coins uh, you know like you shouldn't have a purse that looks like a bindle because you should just have a bindle in the first place <laughs> obviously <laughs> right. so this is when you get familiar with Kevin's rules um, and he has an endless amount of them Huh. and they do they make sense like no but they're his rules and he lives by them well the fact that think they don't make sense means that you don't understand their rules so, no i mean it's important to ascribe order to an orderless universe <laughs> and the first thing you have to know is that there is no order in the universe and when you accept that then and only then can you start to try and put some order into it oh i might as well have invited my dad over here <laughs> one of the first times i spent the night with him someone was outside i'm using a leaf blower too early and he was like there are rules. This is not the fucking Wild West. <laughs> when we agree to live in a society, there are certain things that we abide by. Mm-hmm. You're allowed to turn right on red. Use your turn signal at least more than half the time. And don't use a leaf blower at 7 o'clock in the morning. Yeah, it's antisocial to do that. And, for sure. might I add, illegal. <laughs> there are laws. It's also bad for the environment. Also, get a fucking broom. Jesus. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I could see myself with an electric, like a battery-powered leaf blower. Yes. Oh, you would love that. Uh, my, uh, I've hung out with his coworkers a number of times, and I, I told your coworker Ski about how one of the first times we hung out, you tried to stop me from jaywalking, and like, mm. like it is evidence of like how different we are. Because I'm like, don't you ever try to prevent me from breaking the fucking law? <laughs> like, I will jaywalk. I will. Like, any rule, I'm fine with breaking for the most part. Like, if there's a reason, do yeah. it. Like, if it's, like, a yeah stupid law that just exists but is not applicable to that situation, like, fuck it. And you are totally different. Like, you're duty-bound. Well, I have an interesting relationship with jaywalking, specifically, I think. Just that 
you know, it's a law that existed. It didn't exist for a long time because streets were multi-use for everything. You've seen these, I'm sure you can Google it, these video footage of, you know, people going down the middle of the street in like the tens and the twenties. And there's these, you know, there's street cars and there's horse-drawn carriages and there's people and there's no determined lanes. Everyone's just sort of flowing in and amongst each other and it all works because everybody's moving at roughly the same speed and the carriages are moving at the same speed as the people are moving at the same speed oh, as everybody okay. else and so there wasn't any law against like uh -huh. stepping off the sidewalk into the street because streets were for everybody not just people in cars and then as cars started to get faster things started to change and they pushed everybody else out but and why does so, that make you have a weird relationship with jaywalking because i have a <laughs> belief that there should at least be an attempt to ascribe order to an orderless universe. Oh, yeah. And so if we are in a society, there are some rules that, while they seem silly, the fact that we all follow them at the same time then makes them better. Um, and so jaywalking is one of those things where, like, yeah, on its face it doesn't make a lot of sense, theoretically, because we're all doing it, though, and we all agree to do the same thing and behave in a predictable manner, then that's what makes it make sense. Says the man who's married to a woman who hates fucking cops and rules. So we're even each other out. That's the idea, I think. Yeah. I'm an optimist and you're a pessimist. I 100%. see, uh, you know, this event that we saw tonight. Right. And I was able to draw things from it that I don't <clears throat> think you uh, were able to draw from. You know, I don't know if it was uh, patience or just my eternal optimism. Um that allowed me to, to view it in a different way that you did. Well, so speaking did. of which, uh, we saw the local playwright showcase yep. at Lamplighter Community Theater. Lamplighter may sound familiar to our listeners because it is from where we saw... episode number one. Yeah, from the, our first episode, the incredible play Nine, which gave us endless... It still haunts things. my life. <laughs> I think I have, like, I think I was saying I have the stock, Stockholm Syndrome. Yeah. Like I was, I wanted, um, I think I would like to see it again. Yeah. What, here's what I'm going to say right off the bat about these. I liked this more than I've liked anything that we've seen so far. Okay. All like, right. like undeniably the, this showcase like had more redeeming <clears throat> qualities to me than anything that we have seen so far. That being said, it was excruciating still. <laughs> it's the most, uh, and it, and I'll preface what I'm going to say with, it was obviously because it was intentional it was the most amateurish of like play that i've seen done in that setting and obviously it was mm. again on purpose because this is the local playwrights showcase this isn't things that have been on broadway this isn't things that have stood the test of time for a long time and it was right. very clearly things that people had just written and they did it because they love the craft and they have enough connection to like have someone agree to put their thing on and totally. that's why we were able to see it like we were yeah. Um, and I think that was really interesting. And, and I think that, again, I, I sort of mentioned this earlier to you guys, that, that me, the medium defines the message or the medium is the message. And so the way in which the art was given to us has a lot to do with how my enjoyment of it was. And I think yours, too, because if you'd seen that same thing in a different setting, I think that your, your, your like of it would have been a lot less. Yeah, no. I felt about this play tonight the way that I do about karaoke, which is everyone participating endeared to me mm -hmm. because they are not what they want to be. Okay. <laughs> say, that, okay. Say, that, say that again. It, like, like when people perform karaoke, for them it's this moment of recognition on stage and like 
this visibility that it breaks free of their like normal everyday like life mm-hmm. and so i think for these performers it's like you know some of them were not super young some of they, they were all of like there was not a spring chicken in the whole batch <laughs> there was one well, there was one well towards the two, end maybe but but the the point is is that they probably they probably are not going to have a career as like a large figure in acting but they're committed to it and for the time that they're on their stage like they're living for themselves and it's something that they love and that moment like they love it and so it's probably similar to like how i feel when i do karaoke and the way i see other people is like with the shit that we have we're creating the space for like make-believe and magic differently than i usually see plays do you think that was showcased more because it was this local writer showcase um, that's a question I don't have an answer to. Like, when you've seen these, because this isn't your first time seeing plays in this type of setting where it's this small community theater, but what made this one different for you, I'm wondering? It was more stripped down and honest. Mm-hmm. Like, <clears throat> with other things, there's like, they're, they were trying to, you felt like they were being something that they are not. Like, you're not big time, but you guys are trying to overact like you're big time. Like, you're not in a tiny room with me, you know, or like that it took itself too seriously. And in mm-hmm. this way, when they took themselves seriously, it felt like them like making a wish <laughs> yeah, as opposed yeah. to having an ego. Mm-hmm. Like it was like them participating in something that um, felt like, like that, the, that they care for, like, like a, something that they were attached to and love for the act of loving it. Mm hmm as opposed to the act of loving themselves as actors. Yeah, I know what you mean. Because, like, the, the other two plays that we've seen together are Sister Act, mm-hmm. the musical, and yeah. Nine, which are, was also a musical. Right. And those are those are both big Broadway plays mm-hmm. <clears throat> done, like, on a tiny, small-town sort of level. And, yeah, everyone, everyone was big and larger than life and mm-hmm. really just getting into it. But, yeah... Um, I think some of the acting in tonight's show, some of it was sort of like a lot of the actors I was like, oh, no, I don't really care about you at all. But some of it, you would get some glimpses from some of the actors. And I was like, oh, you're you're really there. You're really there. You're making a good choice and you're sticking with it. And it's very believable. And it's like pulling me in. And they cared about their characters. Everyone cared. I think that that was very evident from the get-go that everyone playing – their character was like invested in how that character was perceived and like bless their hearts they're doing it for assholes like me you know that like no I'm, no that they're not i mean no no they're <laughs> no, not they're, they're really doing not. it for people who are way better than me much much nicer people much, like kevin right right no exactly well, thank god there's a kevin there so and also like the reason that i always give a ton of money for their fucking raffles is i'm like if i'm going to hate this so much i should support them yeah you know like i should give back to this because Again, like having a community, anything is amazing. And I love the volunteers and I love that they have that space. And I also fucking hate it, you know, but yeah. like. I'm going to start working there, I think. I mean, yeah, it's not great pay. <laughs> For free. <laughs> to volunteer. Yeah. I mean, uh-huh. what what if I start working there and then we can, once we write our own play, which is the ultimate goal of this podcast. Oh, no, it's not. <laughs> oh, did I, I didn't tell oh, you Oh, yeah, that. no, you did, but. I thought I was just going to support you a lot in that. And then, like... <laughs> this like, is an idea I had. No, we're going to write Nine and a Half. Oh, right, 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 right. The sequel to Nine. Mm-hmm. And... Oh, that's right. 
and Guido Contini is going to have an adult lesbian daughter. Right. And he's going to be, like, on his deathbed. Right. I imagine myself sitting next to you with a typewriter and, like, loudly typing as you dictate, like, the play. My amanduensis, just, like, writing everything. Mm -hmm. I'm like, that's genius, bud! You're on fire! I've got a a typewriter somewhere around here. Yeah, sure. Um, So the first one... Oh, wait, hold on. I've got a structure for this. Oh, we've got a structure! (laughs) I'm I'm gonna try to wrangle this. Because Kevin is new to the podcast, I wanted to talk to you about, like, your relationship to theater and your kind of history. So... Um, yeah, what, uh, you like theater, is that correct? Uh, yes, however, um, I don't have as much experience with seeing it as I would like to, especially in the last 10 years or so. Well, since you, since you met Jordan. Well, no, even before then a little, I I mean, I can use her, right, I can use her as an excuse, I think. Um, Yeah, I went to a uh, performing arts high school, uh, I'll name drop, the San Diego School of Creative and Performing Arts in Hmm. Paradise Hills. Wait, isn't that the high school that Jordan went to? No. No, 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 I went to COSA. Oh. I did did visual arts. Oh, visual arts, excuse me. So, uh, so I was there from sixth grade to twelfth grade. Uh, sixth grade was, uh, sixth and seventh was drama, uh, and then like eighth, ninth, tenth was, uh, set design and building sets for plays and oh, things wow. like that. And then, uh, 10, 11, 12 or so was, uh, video production. Um, oh, so shit. I did film, um, for those last three years. So that's junior high and high school. Yeah, it was, a, that was yeah. interesting. That's the interesting thing about the school. One of the interesting things about the school is I was there all the way from sixth to 12th grade. Crazy. So, um, even if you're not in the plays, uh, you're friends with all the people that are in the plays. We didn't have any sports teams, so instead we had, you know... You didn't have any sport. No, of course no. you didn't have any sports teams. No. So instead, our, our jazz band was award-winning, um, and <laughs> we you would have these, you know, big, dragging... We had a huge theater, um, sat hundreds of people, um, and we'd put on these giant plays, um, and we did all the big ones, um... I remember, I have very good memories of both Grease and Bye Bye Birdie, mm. um, still to this day. And I, I'm not a big fan of the movies of either of those, but the, the play version is great. Anyway, and so since then, um, I haven't gone out to see as many plays as I'd like. Um, my younger brother was involved with some stage stuff, and so we got to see some, some things through him. Um, but uh, And then as, as a kid, even, I remember being brought to plays, uh, even in Coronado, I think. There was a small theater there. Um there was a neighbor of mine who uh, was a play director, and I have this very vivid memory to this day of watching A Midsummer Night's Dream and thinking it was wonderful. I'm like nine years old. And then afterwards, all the actors came out and they were thanking the director of the thing, who was the family friend of ours. But when they did it, they were now not speaking in Shakespearean accents anymore. They reverted back to their speaking voices and I remember it being so jarring for me to see the character drop away and the real person come out rules and yeah and it was well in rules, rules I guess but also just viewership. like in, on both my part and their part as actors because um it was they were convincing enough and maybe maybe I was the only one that was convinced and how old were you between nine. the ages of nine and twelve probably okay well. <laughs> I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. I think that they were pretty good, and I think that um, they were they were fairly professional actors. And if I if I remember correctly, they were you know collegiate level. Um, but the, yeah, I remember specifically the like accents being the thing to where like they were they, it wasn't the words that they said or like the way that they said it, but they like adapted these voices that like really brought me into the world. 
And so then to have that be broken down afterwards, I was like, oh, this is not real. This is a play. This is interesting. And that didn't take anything away from it for me. That added something to it for mm -hmm. me. But I was like, oh, this is an interesting medium. This is a way in which I can have stories be told to me that's unique and it's different than movies and it's different than, you know, music and it's different than poetry and it's different than all these other things. And I always liked that about it. So since then, uh, I've been to New York a couple times and both times I got to see Broadway plays. I saw Music Man. And then uh, still one of my favorite plays to this day is uh, uh, Spring Awakening. Um, brilliant with Leah Michelle uh, as, the, as the lead in that. Just really, really fantastic. Uh, great soundtrack. Highly recommend to check it out. No one in this room has any idea what you're talking about. Right that's now. okay. Because, yeah. uh, also, none of our listeners have any idea. That's okay. Because that earworm is going to nestle into your brain. And at some point in the next five years... You're going to think, maybe I'll check out Spring Awakening, the soundtrack. Which is, like, I think a wish that you have in a lot of our conversations. <laughs> but I glaze over it when, when it, like, I'm like, I don't think I understand this anymore. <laughs> but I, I have no idea what Spring Awakening is. Yeah, it's a great play. What is Spring Awakening? Yeah, let's talk about both of those plays. Well, I mean, I, I, uh, it's, it's, on its most base, it's, you know, a coming of age. It's young teens. There's sex involved. Oh, okay. There's uh, songs. Um, you know, they're learning who they are as people. Um, but the way in which it's done is 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 really pretty brilliant. Um, but I mean, I love the classics as well. Um, Company, um, Music Man, specifically Music Man, the movie of Music Man is absolutely fantastic. And like to this day, I'll hum seventy six trombones to myself as I do yard work or whatever else. Um, I really enjoy that stuff. Um, I still have tickets to a big san diego broadway like gift certificates in my desk drawer they've been there for four or five years and you and i've never used them no um, but they were no. gifted to me a long time ago and like they're you know worth a couple hundred dollars and i've just never used them before um because, so you're saying we could sell them well i'm saying no. that i'd love to be able like the next time that like a big because i've always wanted to see book of mormon Sure, and I think that sure. you would enjoy Book of Mormon as well. I think coming to town. I think it is, it is too, but yeah. you got to jump on those tickets early. Um, Hamilton, obviously, like the big ones, oh, yeah. you know, obvious, the, the obvious names. Um, and that's something that I still think that you haven't done and I'd be interested to have because you're starting from the bottom a little bit. Oh, you're telling me I'm a Philistine. No, I'm saying that the things that you're viewing are things that a Philistine views. <laughs> How do you mean? No, I'm exaggerating slightly. But what? my my point being that it'd be interesting, I think, to, I mean, maybe this is over the course of however much time, but you're starting forever. from where you are now, Podcast and you get forever. to the point where we literally go to, like, New York City and watch, like, the, like, big $10 million production of whatever it is. And, like, even here in San Diego, like, they do these giant productions, and they're amazing and beautiful. And I'd be interested to see if that changes your perspective in the same way that you just said that because this was a local playwright showcase. And so that allowed for different experiences. I saw Beauty and the Beast things. at Disneyland. So I've seen large productions. That is true. Thank you very much. I'd just be interested to see how the medium changes. The I message. think you have a belief that I want to enjoy things. I don't. That's not totally true. I think that I can make you enjoy things. <laughs> Says every white man ever. God. Well, that, that was a the theme uh, of the second play that we saw tonight. So tonight was... So a, the first one was the was a bride. 
The first one was The Bright. Okay, yes. so tonight uh, was, like I said, the local playwrights showcase at Lamplighter's Community Theater. There were four plays written by three playwrights. Mm-hmm. Um, the first one was, let's see, in the book. Bright on the Rocks. Bright on the Rocks. There she is. Right, and, and that's a liquor pun. Correct. Yeah. Oh, is that right? Because she was drunk. She was drinking and the she's whole time. And she's a bride. And a blank bar. on the rocks is a oh, common that. formula for a cocktail. Yeah. Wait, bride on the rocks is a, is a Well, like, no. Is a drink. no, no. <laughs> Replace the word bride with the word whiskey. Keep up with us, bud. <laughs> okay. So whiskey on the rocks, but it's not whiskey. Now it's a bride. So she's drunk. She's a bride. Does, does anyone ever order drinks on the rocks? Yes. Yes. Do, do, do they really? Yes. You know what? I used to say that, and then when I was in, fuck, London... Not to toot my own horn about the fact that I've been to London before, but I was in London one night, and I was like, oh, uh, gin and tonic on the rocks. And the girl was like, if you ever say on the rocks again, I will fucking kick you out of this bar. Shut the fuck up. She just didn't like your face. Yeah, I think she just didn't like you, because that's a pretty normal thing. I don't know. I had a bowl cut. I was hanging out with, with Elizabeth McKenna. Oh, yeah. Remember when me and McKenna lived in London together? That was crazy. That was really weird. If you used the term, I would like a gin and tonic with ice, then I would assume you didn't know the term on the rocks. I Now I say with ice. That seems weird. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> so I think it's a rule that we have to say Elizabeth McKenna and Jenny Kelly. Every episode. Every episode. Yeah, because then I will know if they're not listening. And then I'll be like, that's weird that you don't support me in my endeavors. Yeah, how does Jenny Kelly like our, our podcast? Does she even have anything she said, to say about She it? said, quote, you were made for podcasts about my voice and I was like that's true thank god that's true there's something I can do I was just fired so um my favorite thing about Bright on the Rocks okay Jim Sprog wait what Jim Jim Sprog was that the bartender it was in fact I would so almost say that he was my favorite actor of the entire Production. So him and Michelle Burkhart, they were also in the third play. Correct. Am I not wrong? Okay. No, you're, right. you're correct. Okay. Um, an honest arrangement. Correct. So I, I have like partial face blindness, I think. And so I was just like, I think that's the same guy. No, it but it really, it literally, it really took like halfway through the play for me to like. So I, I thought that Jim sold the whole thing. He absolutely had a ton of experience and it showed <laughs> jordan shaker shaking her head i did not like, like i didn't like him at not all not in the first one i no. thought that he looked like he memorized lines mm-hmm. um there was like moments of delay where i could see his brain working to remember said lines he was cute as a button don't get me wrong he was he the was only one really i thought that cute. didn't do that i thought everybody else was well i mean that's not true because so the other thing i'll say is of, and I think we should say, of the four plays, two were readings and two were not. Correct, which is the first time I've seen that, and I was like, oh "Oh boy. um, I think that's just an aspect of, like, those two actors, Jim Sprague and, um, excuse me, uh, Michelle Burkhart, I think they're just good actors. Yeah, 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 sure, sure. They're just able to memorize their shit, and the other ones were just like, hey, this is a 10-minute play, no big deal. We're gonna cast you, but you know you. Can well, be that's the other thing book. is like sometimes these. I mean, if you're like cast in, you know, Shakespeare, then you've read Shakespeare before probably. But if you're cast in, you know, Bright on the Rocks, you probably haven't read Bright on the Rocks before, so it might take some time to get com- comfortable with the material. Right. 
so I mean I wasn't comfortable with it. I thought Jim Sprock was incredibly comfortable. I was surprised that I'm surprised that you thought that he didn't do well. I, I I loved him in both of those. You're surprised that you thought that he specifically didn't do well. Yeah, absolutely. I don't think that he didn't not do well. I just didn't. I wasn't like, oh boy, I'm there with you, man. Hey, you know, okay. So I think I think he was present, and I guess we're gonna talk about both plays that he was yeah. in. I think he was present. I didn't love his. I didn't love his thing. Yeah. I didn't really identify with him. I thought he was pretty one-dimensional in how he played it. Hmm. Um, well, both of his characters were similar. Like, the bartender could have been the same character. Yes. As the, mm-hmm. and, but I didn't have a problem with that. He, he, he exudes warmth right. to me. He had moments where he was more animated and involved than others. And I was like, okay. Like, I mean, whatever. It doesn't matter. I just was kind of like, the the entire thing was irritating to me. <laughs> Well, so it was, it was talk, a place where you were taking. Well, so the thing, I kept, the... the thing I focused on, sorry to interrupt, Go ahead. That, uh, with those two actors is that they were both really good at masks, which is like this idea of like the way you kind of compose your face throughout sure. your play. Uh-huh. Like, I mean, Michelle Burkhart, like her, the way she had her face going. Yeah, for, totally. For the Ride on the Rocks was like, I, I mean, it was a bit much. I thought she kind of overacted that particular role. But her face was like really like strong, right? Mm-hmm. And then it was completely different for the third play. Totally, totally. And I thought that was really talented. And I actually think Homeboy that we're talking about did better in the second play than the first one. I liked him mm-hmm. better in the second play. Um, so. And then yeah, the second play. Yeah. But but just the the play itself, the writing and what it was about and the dialogue, I was pissed. Are you jumping to the third one? No, I'm, Br- I'm talking right about the first on the one. Right, right on the rocks. Okay. I was pissed at least ten times during that. Sure, it was interesting. No, no, <laughs> it was it was, it was well-worn territory about what women want, being the wedding and how they are perceived, and not being alone. They even reference a fucking the the old cat lady who dies with all of her cats and is going to get her face eaten, and it's like, dude, that's well-worn. Yeah, yeah, it's it's I, irritating. I didn't think that anything that she was concerned about was interesting or compelling at all. Mm. And, and she it, also never spoke about her partner. She she was not a real person. Her partner was not a real person. The mm. fucking bartender was not a real person. Mm-hmm. Like none of it. And so there was no con- there wasn't a conflict. No. And so there wasn't a resolution. And so it was no. The a- resolution is she goes on her honeymoon. Did so you see? Fine, the- but I didn't care. You yeah. know, like I actually for. For every single for every single play that we saw tonight, I wish that someone had said the words, "But I have herpes." Like I think that would have made like every single play like a lot more entertaining. Yeah. Did you see the Sex in the City movie? No, I did. Do you remember in the Sex in the City movie, she gets stood up at the altar, and mm-hmm. then she uses the honeymoon to go and like learn things about herself. Oh, is that right? Yeah, same thing that happened in this one. Pretty much, this is the I think that they ripped city. off the Sex in the City movie. That's, I mean, I'm except not the thing surprised. is that they took the least interesting part of the Sex in the City movie and then turned that into a play, as opposed to the trip to Mexico where Charlotte drinks the water from the shower and then gets diarrhea. That's that's funny. That's funny. Yeah. But no, I mean, I just didn't like i i didn't I didn't like the way that uh, like a woman's desire is portrayed as like what she chooses for her life is has nothing to do with who her partner is, has nothing to do with the relationship, but has to do with her mom thinking that there's something wrong with her, like how she wants to be perceived, the money spent on the wedding, and like that she's going to die alone. Like all of the fears. Also, not to mention it was written by a man. So it's a perspective of a breakup and a bride through a man's perspective. Super obvious and yep. super fucking annoying. Yep. It was 
Yeah. Um, written by a baby boomer man. Right. None, nonetheless. Right. And so I found that odd. Like, I do love... I do love the idea of, like... Like, look, I go to a specific diners because I love the old dude at the counters, right? Like, I get the relationship between, like, this person who's in a fucked up situation and someone who's lived longer than them, who's seen more than them, who is able to be like, chill the fuck out and, like, go find your joy. Like, which I think was what it was trying to be, but all I could see was how offensive it was. And, like, so instead of it being, like, this, like, buddy moment where like old dude gives sage advice in the dark bar i just saw like oh you don't understand women and you hate them yeah yeah none of it was believable to me can i give the plot of it real quick before yes please do so uh open on woman in bridal gown Mm -hmm. at bar with running mascara Right. Which is a striking image. Yes, and, it was. You know, it that's, was absolutely that's great. A striking image. But the thing about it is, you already know, I can, if you had just shown me that picture and then said, Kevin, write a play, I would have written the same, you know, like, it, I would not that I'm saying I would have written the same lines, but I would have, in the, if you had said, Kevin, what is this play going to be about? I would have said what it is. You know what I mean? It didn't surprise me in any way. And what it is, is her having this essentially monologue almost with this bartender about, I've been left at the altar. What am I going to do with my life? I'm going to die and cats are going to eat my face kind of thing. Right. I liked the way that he convinced her to go on the thing. I mean, I felt it, it, it did all feel a little bit, um, I don't know what the word is, well-worn territory, I guess, is the phrase we keep coming back to. Um, but, yeah. I mean, it, it, it's, it's a bride who, who is sad that she's been, you know, left at the altar. You know, it, it, it could have been more. So what, what did you not like about it? Uh, Explic- uh, explicitly. Explicitly. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I didn't like that her disappointment was over. Uh, yeah, what was it? Over her guests, that? her dad paying money, the fact like making fun of the fact that he couldn't even pay enough to have champagne that wasn't just from Australia. So like all of her investment in the wedding itself like felt really superficial, so and her disappointment felt super selfish. And it would have been a different play if we had identified with her as a person that we liked. But I don't yeah. think that's what we were supposed to do. I don't know. You don't. You don't think I we were think supposed we were. to identify with her? As no, well? not really. I mean, like, he's, like you said, she was. She kept exhibiting all these ways that, like, she wasn't likable. She wasn't likable. And I think that was supposed to be the turn. Is that she's like, I'm a bad person. I'm a bad person. I'm a bad person. And then she has the monologue where it's like, Oh my God, you're a bad person, but we like you. And then the play's over. That's uh, what I, I thought it was. That's giving the writer a lot of credit. Okay. I, I don't think she was ever likable throughout. And and and. and that's a disservice. I think she was supposed to be relatable. Like <clears throat> I relate to the pressure. Like as a as a female uh-huh. watching it, I think it's like okay, so I'm supposed to relate to the pressure of, of getting, getting married, of and... the expectation of a marriage, of um, not being alone, of what your mother wants, of who your father is. Like sort of like this is the role that like this is the role that we're supposed to play, and this is our moment, like the bridal moment. Like you're brought up. With the belief that that is like the the most it's it's the most important moment of your life, and so if you're given that forever, then that's what has been taken away from her. So I think that you're supposed to like kind of like relate to her and the pressures of society and like that big moment where like all of your family and friends and peers are witnessing you and like what a bummer, homeboy doesn't show up and you're like God, like and now I know what they're gonna say on Monday when I show up at work, you know, and it's like. 
oh, I get it. Like, everyone views me this way because women are obviously one-dimensional. And so you're <laughs> right. supposed to, like, yeah. like uh, relate to her aggravation and disappointment at not being a successful female. So was it... So she was... Yeah, she's one-dimensional. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sorry, I'm drunk already. Yeah, I me... Oh, I was absolutely. gonna say something really good, but I... No, I know. Out. I totally knew you were gonna say I started thinking about... The camping spot we went to last night. I yeah. just slipped into my you mind. Went a so few sorry. different places. That happens. That happens. I think that the way that I would have liked it to see it change is that I wanted to relate to her more. I wanted her to be more likable. Yeah. And I wanted to feel that I was on the same page that she was from the beginning. Sure. And instead, it was that, you know, she was exhibiting all these reasons why i mean I, I don't know maybe they weren't as overt as i'm remembering it but it seemed like they were saying like these all these reasons why like reasons why he wasn't there like there are these things that, like oh i'm mean and uh, i care more about money than anything else and i care more about how people view me than i care about how my own feelings and like these are the reasons why he left and then she had the monologue which was like there should have been like a neon sign that said like this is the monologue because <laughs> then it was like here it is and then she had this whole long speech about the cats and everything which was you know it, it, it was meant to evoke an emotion but it, it it i almost felt like it was like a mad libs you know like yeah. if, if like in in like the book about how to write a play there's like a section about like the jilted bride right. and like this is how you do it and it's like fill in the blank and like cat lady and like yeah which like, but but that, but like welcome to being a woman like sure. everyone is filling out that mad libs the second right. they meet you all the time and yeah. and i think you are giving a lot of credit to the writer for having layers to it when i think it was actually that women suck and or like this bride is like bummed you know like oh this bride's bummed and like this bartender's gonna help her out like i think it was really like not layered here's what would have been better and i was hoping was gonna happen was that he was gonna be like let's let's go to go to the courthouse Uh get married i've already been married three times let's do it one more time and let's go on this honeymoon and then i'd be like yeah because people are afraid of being alone it would at least like make both of them idiots right you know so so um you were kind of touching on like what did did it make her a bad was she a bad person like did she cause this dude to like not show up like because because that was something that i kept on wondering about the entire time like Mm -hmm. like well she is kind of a pain in the ass or she's written to be a pain in the ass or acted that way at least Mm -hmm. um so is it that are you saying that um god i'm too i'm, I'm too drunk i got too drunk for this podcast god damn it um i think what jordan was saying was that she felt as though i was putting in too much work in order to give her that credit of like the reason that he left is because she's a bad person but like i had to do the work to yep. put her in that role yeah and like that might and i think I, that that might be the case i think that, that like it wasn't necessarily written that like this is what you're supposed to think but it's like oh i'm i'm smart i can put these layers on it because like i can connect these dots but like maybe i'm not supposed yeah to that's what i was trying to ask is like are right. you did you think that she came across that way or are you just giving that to her no i mean i think in yeah in 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 hindsight when i'm ascribing meaning to something then yeah that's what i come up with is that like oh the reason he left is because she's mean or because she cares a bit more about and because you're married to me yeah (laughs) 
Um, Get out of here. I, I don't think so. I what you're talking about. I don't think that that was very clear in the play. Sure. I, from yeah. the, the writing was not very clear why it was that he did not show up. Mm-hmm. She, it was not a three dimensional situation at all. Mm-mm. It was just like this happened. What are we gonna do? Uh, also, sorry, was it distracting that she was like a bride who got jilted at the altar and she was like 46 years old? I mean, like, I think like that, that, he, that, that was it hard. was distracting that, was that he kept saying young woman. And I was like, <laughs> she's, she's like 47 years yeah, old. Yeah, are we uh, sure? But the other thing is, is that I know for a fact that the jilted bride can be a character that I love because of Doctor Who. Is there right? A- there's a jilted bride in it who I fucking love, and she's a tough cookie, and you're like, this is a shitty situation, and you're totally human. Totally. Like, you're absolutely. totally lovable, right? Absolutely. And yeah, so, absolutely. I, so I, I have to blame – I don't blame the actress. I absolutely blame the writer for yes. how, like, shitty she's portrayed because the actress committed 100%. She really did. She really yeah, committed. Michelle Burkhart just fucking acted the shit out of that for mm-hmm. sure. I mean, I, I thought a, a, some of her acting was like a bit too much. Sure. Where she was just like larger than life. But then I kind of realized because I saw her other play tonight – that like that was probably a director thing where they right. they wanted her to be larger than life. And you kind of have to act pretty big when you're in a wedding dress. That's true. Like you're gonna get swallowed by who you're supposed to be. Like if you're not, and you can't be perceived as fun. Like I mean, it felt like a like a role that demanded being sort of a caricature. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I didn't I didn't fault her for any of that. You've seen more one act. 10 minute plays than I have and I was one of the things that I was struck by between both the first second and third plays was that essentially all they were were conversations between two people uh, yeah. yeah that that was really hard for me um, I t- I've taken like one acting class okay. and it was very like Stanislavski method mm-hmm. style which is like uh, it should be like actions more than like just like dialogue back and forth constantly all the time because right. like I think I tried to say in our last episode, you could just have like an, a play without words. Really. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I remember you're trying like, to fucking fuck sell you. that shit to me. Yeah. I remember having a conversation with a friend of mine from high school, again, when we're all acting in plays and learning what live theater is. And they were saying, uh, Liz DeLeo, who was in my wedding party, um, was saying her argument was anything that you can do in a movie, you can do on stage. Any movie that's ever been made can be turned into a play. Yeah. That was her argument, and I said that's obviously not true. Bullshit. Right, but it is true. No, it is. Nope. No, 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 no. <laughs> there no, are no. ways to do it, and so and it, the, my the thing that made me think of that is like there's movies like My Dinner with Andre where it's literally two people talking to each other for two. But and no half one hours. actually right. really likes right. that hey, movie. And we're, right. we're not ever having a, a guest who who has seen My Dinner with Andre back on the podcast. No, okay. never, this, never, this never. This is never. a rule. Also, no one has ever liked that. Maybe they just no, and it. That's yeah, no, that, no, it's but, like jazz. No one actually likes it. That's, this is no, but I'm going along with this. Oh, is my point does. is, no one watches my dinner with Andre. What they watch is obviously Bullet or The Italian Job or whatever, and those are movies where I've never seen anything. Okay, like sorry, but the point is, there's a lot of action happening on stage. 
and <sighs> by on stage I mean in the movie. But on this is what I'm saying is you can translate that to on stage. And so if you write a one wait, act, wait, how how would you do bullet on stage? You would do it with rear projection. You would do it with, and this is what I, I oh, mean. Oh yeah, we with that, both that, that cinema verite shit. Where right. Well, like, and this okay, is what's funny you, is oh, like French Connection. You do French Connection. Yes, stage. exactly. Okay. Yeah. As much as Jordan hates live theater, she loves the movie Rushmore, and in the movie Rushmore. There's these amazing scenes yeah, 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 that's good. of this very, very low budget like Rambo movie as a play. Yes. And it's them with the machine guns and like the rear projection. And like, I love, I love, and like, oh man, so much. Like the rear projection, and like they've got the car that's driving and like mm-hmm. the guy's like pretending to drive. Like you could do that but, as a chase scene. But I only love it because it makes fun of all of the tropes. Well, I mean, they are... do they do like Serpico. It's like in yeah, place. yeah. yeah. What I'm saying yeah. And but but I love it because it in of itself is making fun of everything. But this is my question. So like as uh, as coming from theater where I'm coming from, which is like a little bit and like I'm I'm just dancing across the top layer and like maybe you have more experience with uh, dancing. In all your theater. Exactly. I don't know why Kevin thinks I have more experience about anything. You because do. you're supposed to be the one who likes it, I'm supposed to be the one who hates it, but it just so happens he's trying to talk us into why we like theater. Kevin should be the host of this podcast. <laughs> he would take that on in a second. He'd be like, oh, let me see here. My thing is, if you're going to write a 10-minute one-act play today, why aren't we on, I don't know how many waves there have been, but like the fourth wave of playwriting, and like everything is like, a commentary on the act of playwriting. Why isn't it that? Uh, that's what this podcast is. I guess. But like, as <laughs> he's but like, like, I'm not giving you guys that credit. <laughs> no, actually, but I mean, this but is like, turn, improv like, theater. Right, um, but like, can't, but this should be the play then. Like, there should be three people that come out and sit down at a table and talk into a microphone about plays, and there's an audience there. Like, yeah, that's, that's that when we get big enough and we can tour. Come on, Kevin, don't put this pressure on us. Also, you're way too articulate right now, so why don't you drink some more so Bud and I don't look like assholes, yeah. A. And B, I will never like theater. Not for you or for <laughs> anybody else. Ever. So, yeah, we came into this project where I was like, I really like theater. And yeah. like, and like uh, at the time when this this one theater class that I took that I always talk about every, every episode... <laughs> I like that. The theater class. The theater class. Mm-hmm. There's the theater class. There's the 10-minute play that I did. Oh, and we're going to keep going with that for a Forever. while. Yeah. That's right. Why not? Uh, Rachel's in the room. You remember, I was really into theater back then. I was really into going to plays, right? Rachel's nodding. So I think I, um, I've sucked a lot of the air out of the room, though. You might have. You I, might I think have. I think that, yeah. that the fa- like, I can ruin anything. Well, I mean, like, and you and I hang out, and, like, we're just, like, shitty, shithead teenagers again. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah, I mean, I think I've taken away some of the willingness to be optimistic about it. No, also, we've seen really bad plays. No, we've seen some bad plays. Yeah. Well, tonight, I, I didn't think that they were all bad. Um, The second one? I was just going to say, was can, bad. We, can we summarize They're, the second actually, one, too? Sorry. Yeah, please. No, I do think so they the second were all one was bad. Oh, really Susanna. The, the second one was different actors. The second one was, and I was, yeah. I had a feeling that you would have something to say <laughs> about Oh, Susanna for a couple reasons. One, which was the massive neck tattoo. Oh. That is not what I was focused oh, on can, at can all. I, can I weigh in? Did you notice that? Yeah, but that's not at all what I was fucking I, focused on. I have on. personal experience with that massive neck tattoo. Oh, do you? So the second play was Oh, Susanna. He's a bear, right? 
Oh, he uh, doesn't know what a bear is. I, no, I know what a bear is. <laughs> yeah. I'm about to beat he your ass right as now. As a twink, he should know what a bear <laughs> yeah, is. I'm not a twink either. Get the fuck out of here. Baby, he's an otter. Sorry, he's an, he's otter. an otter. He's an otter. I don't know what I am. I'm not hairy. I'm small. Yeah, you're an otter. He's muscular. Otter. You're an otter. Otter. But I'm not hairy. You don't have to be hairy. You have the little stubble. I am talking about David Danish. That's my buddy from acting class. Yeah, that was my point. So, Oh Susanna, uh, written by, who is this written by? God damn it! Oh, it was Jan- written by a Jan- woman, which Janet I was like, S. Tiger. Yeah. What? Yeah, it didn't make a lot of sense. Um, directed by George, George Bailey, Bailey from uh, Bailey's Wonderful Irish Life. Cream. It's a Wonderful Life. <laughs> so when I say Bailey, I think of It's a Wonderful Life. When you say Bailey, you think of Irish Cream. Yeah. Oh. Um. <laughs> I was worried about this because I saw uh, David Janish as headshot, and I was like, "Oh, he was in that acting class that right. I was in." Yeah, right. And I really like him a lot. I love his his voice; is really nice. And he's he does uh, the ghost tours in Old Town. Right. And uh, here's the thing: this is a credit I will give. He made me laugh despite myself. Is that um, right? Yeah, yeah, because it was a terrible terrible it was a shitty fucking role like there was that, no consent given yeah, it, it was about like pushing sucked. a woman into the corner and then her finally being like actually it is what i want so fuck yeah, that was, you yeah fuck that was you. that was a that was a no means yes thing the entire thing all day. yeah so wait, woman, wait hold on let me talk about the neck tats his fucking tattoos go from the back of his neck all the way down to his fucking heels yeah it, it, and all over his arms it's Fucking very, amazing. That red, dude likes red, to fuck. And he's red, cool. Red he, he loves to fuck, and he's an interpreter for the deaf. He's like a licensed... Yeah, I read that. Oh, yeah. that's cool. He was the dude I was telling about in another episode. Oh, yeah. Where, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, he works for Mesa College, and he just interprets... I think he does, like, math classes. It's that's cool. Awesome. So we would do these, like, uh, night acting classes, and mm-hmm. he would, like, show up, and he's like, oh, I've just been, like, signing all day. Dude. And it's really good. Yeah, he did. Um, he was very likable, even though I hated the play. The accent was tough. The accent fucking sucked. I felt bad for him. I know. I wish they wouldn't have let him do it. I watched. Also, a film... it wasn't. Ru- I thought he was supposed to be Dutch until he said he was Russian. Right. I watched a film recently called uh, by Armando Anucci uh, called "The Death of Stalin," and it was great because it was set in Russia, but they had none of the characters have Russian accents. They oh, all yeah, just yeah, like yeah, spoke yeah, in their yeah, own. No, I remember voices. when you were watching that and you were super stoked. And so they were clearly in Russia, and so it was like fine that they were all Russian, and you didn't question it, and it was yeah. okay. And so for the beginning, he just could be like, "I'm from Russia," and then like had the play continue on. He wouldn't have had to have the. Accent. I think it yeah. helped with some of the gags. I think I think it helped with some of the jokes. I think that. But he... either have the accent or don't. Like I mean. But no, but there were times where he would like raise his voice and lower it, and it and it added a comedic effect that like. Despite myself, I was like, "Oh, that's kind of that's fine, cheeky." Right, I, I found it cheeky his, as well. His but strong suit is his like voice. It was mm-hmm. distracting though. Well, every time you hear an accent in theater, it's distracting because it they're wasn't bad. in the fourth play because it was perfect. Are you f- <laughs> <laughs> get the fuck out of I here? Loved it. Sleeping he on the held it the whole way <laughs> No, no. It, uh, what what? The yeah, what an asshole. He's like, I'm going to be the contrarian tonight. No, that's not it. So, so the accent's whatever. I literally laughed into the wall because I, yeah. I didn't know, because I was Where so do you caught go? off guard by that statement. Where do you I, go from there? I didn't know how to turn Welcome to my life. So, 
So the the play was about a woman coming home from her husband's funeral and being propositioned by her the, the piano, the piano, piano teacher, yeah, child's her child piano teacher. And he's like, uh, no, you're going to go out on a date with me. And she's like, well, I couldn't have. Of course not. This is so rude. It's inappropriate. Well, what I didn't at like one about point, him, he let slip that he'd been asking her out at least once every year like every for year. the past 15 or 20 what, years. What I didn't like about him is he was like, what do you mean you don't want to? Like, yeah. like he was so fucking one-dimensional. It just was crazy. No. Well, and it was just tough too because fucked up man. Well, and they kept relying on the trope yes. of like he's the immigrant who doesn't understand the way of the world in America, yes. but also he's been the piano teacher for twenty years. Like <laughs> he's been here, he knows how things work. Dude, there's too many characters in throughout this entire night that were like, "I'm sorry, I am foreign. Do I do not know there's the a word big foreign theme? There's yeah. a big foreign theme of like I do not know the word corn cob. Do you know, what does <laughs> right? Like, how do you say? How do you say corn? Stage? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Was... I thought it, I thought it lacked um, everything, but I didn't like that it was like basically like consent isn't necessary. A woman's desires aren't necessary, and the I man really can define it, and a man can decide what your needs are. And then she's like, "Those are my needs." Right. And so, what what were ways that the playwright tried to make that sort of okay? Oh. God, so many ways. So, like, she had one love who impregnated her out of wedlock, and his way of making good on that deal was being like, hey, brother, I'm going to leave her and go off to the army to see the world. Which is fucking horrible, by right. the way. Right. So, but I liked the way it was. I liked her monologue in the way that she, like, that, from an acting perspective, the, the amount of information that she delivered in a short time, that specific monologue about, like, this is what happened, this is the history about this is the guy I was in love with. I slept with him. He died. I married his brother out of wedlock. Da 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 da. I like that specific. Like you minute. literally did it just as well as she did when she was reading. I suppose, but I mean, I <laughs> no. my my no, my, I, I disagree. Thank, no, thank you for pointing that out. My I'm... silver lining of that play was that specific monologue, and like I didn't like a lot of the accents i didn't like a lot of the other dialogue but that specific monologue i thought was good. I, I thought her acting was really good i thought she did a great job i yeah. actually thought they did a fine job yeah her, her monologues were really good specifically that one mm-hmm. um yeah it was like super believable <sighs> but but when they interacted together i was like oh this is fucking bullshit i hate this i just i just i think that it was the subject matter and the way that it was written. It was dumb. It was impossible for me to see past that and being like, this is, this is really an issue that we need to, to look at. Like, this is like the... You mean that people think this way in order to write a play Yeah, like and this? that this is a, the pervasive thing of like, romance is a dude finally deciding to bestow happiness upon you with his, with, with his knowledge. And then you're like, Oh my god, that's what I've always wanted. Like, fuck you, fuck all of this. This is bullshit. Like, right. well, and I I want to believe that it's written as like a this guy tribute over here. to the way that things were written in 1940. No, kind of thing. And no. like, obviously, things aren't this way anymore. But no, like, this no, is the style easier. of romance that was Boy. done in black and white movies and things. And so it's like a tribute to that. Bless your heart. Lifestyle. Here's what it would have been cooler yeah. is that if it was her being like, my fucking old man's dead because I, you know, I married him because everyone judged me right. if I had a baby out of wedlock. Right. Now I'm going to get mine and about it being like two older folks finally able to like live their truth and their dream and having agency. Right. You know, if they had had like an affair. Oh, yeah. That would have been way better. Way sexier. Well, she was like, she even openly said she was like, 
this feels like I'm being pressured into marriage in the same way that I was 30 years ago. And she's like, but then I'm going to like it in a but, second. But, 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 but I like it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like if they had had like a slip up and they had an affair like 15 years ago. Right. Never happened again. That would have been fucking believable. But it was just like, no, I ask you out every year and it's like a joke. And but I still want to do you. So will you marry me? You're, oh, you said you would. Like, let's do it. Yeah. Let's, let's was get this it going. play a comedy? Yes. Is supposed to be a comedy, but that's my thing. Is and so this is what that's what what you just said made me think of is like, take that exact same play but change it so that it, like the backstory is exactly the same. Where like she had a child with this guy, or she was impregnated by this guy, he died, she married her brother, and then fifteen years into the marriage, she has this affair with this piano teacher, and then they never speak of it again, and then her husband dies, and then he comes back and he's like, look, and you could make it a very serious play in that way, and like look. Like, I know that these, like, that we had this affair. Like, I don't understand why you don't love me. I don't understand why you left your husband. She's like, look, here's why. And she gives this whole, like, very serious backstory about, like, I married this guy. Okay, but that's still joyless for the woman forever. Yeah, I, I think I think it could still be a comedy if it had that premise. Maybe. I, I think that, I, I think that uh, what all these comedies that we saw tonight, none of them were funny because <laughs> I saw the punchlines coming from a mile away. And if it's not surprising, then it's not funny. And, and it's only funny because women are idiots and life is sad. Women are idiots. Men are uh, inconsiderate horn dogs that just want to fuck all the time. Yeah. That was the problem with this play, right? He was just like, I want to fuck tonight. Oh, you won't fuck me tonight? Mm, I might wait three days. Yeah, he's like impatient. <laughs> in, 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 in and he's like, I've, uh, I have, have made more than many women. And also, men aren't like that. Men are, men are, men are fucking considerate motherfuckers. Yeah, well... Can we use that to transition into the third play, which was the man who hired... I'm, uh, I'm sorry. I'm going to actually just uh, undo my microphone. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so... The man who ordered a mail-order bride from a uh, Slavic country of some kind. I feel like I was into it because I've been watching 90 Day Fiance. And as I was watching it, I was really excited that you were there because you've been watching 90 Day Fiance. I was like, this is not how it is. So, uh... That's not how 90 Day Fiance is. So, okay, let's do uh, a synopsis of 90 Day Fiance first. Oh. <laughs> and then we're gonna do. Uh, it. While you're chewing, let me let me give you what I think 90 Day Fiance is, and then you give what okay. 90 Day Fiance. Is. So wait, hold on. You do that, and then you do yours, and then you do the synopsis of the play. Why? Cool. So we'll okay. sandwich it. So uh, there is a TV show. I don't know what channel it's on normally, but my brain tells me to say TLC. There we go. We got it. Which uh, you might remember stands for the Learning Channel. Don't be condescending. So, uh, the premise is, in the United States, and again, I don't know if this is true, but this is the premise of the show, uh, if you want to marry someone in order to become a citizen, it takes 90 days. And if you want to marry someone to become a citizen, what you have to do is wait 90 days. And in those 90 days, you're hanging out with your fiancé, and you're uh, making sure that everything is up to date and the you know government bodies, the various government bodies are checking out and making sure that you're not a terrorist or a, uh, you know, a, a gangster of some kind. Oh, Jesus Christ. And uh, then uh, if everything checks out, then you're allowed to be married. So the cameras come it's in allowed. and right, yes, by the government. So then <laughs> the cameras come in in those 90 days and drama ensues. And so oftentimes the pairings of the couples are uh, disproportionate 
in terms of the backgrounds that they come from. Mm. Uh, oftentimes the American uh, half of the couple comes from a place that's more fortunate. And, uh, it's the called other colonization. Ones, thank you. And uh, so it's entertaining to watch because it's very... It, 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 I was surprised uh, at how self-aware it is. Kind of. Yeah. No, I mean, yes. But so similar, it's kind of what you said, except for you have 90 days to get married to this person. You have 90 days to decide if it's going to work. And, and if you don't get married within the 90 days, then they have to go back to their country. Uh, and it's basically a show where you see Americans going and being like the most disgusting American you can possibly imagine. Like colonization is real. They go to other countries and they're like, oh, like you i'm old decrepit shitty bankrupt but this filipina will definitely want to marry me it's a good example of like american being a synonym for entitled uh yeah big time (laughs) and and it is like like you see people in like in like podunk ass towns who think that someone who's like in living in fucking italy as a male model is like using someone to get a fucking green card and you're like no dude he's got his who life set from the midwest who wouldn't eat anything who wouldn't what eat anything other than oh dude i forget what that little bitch's name was but she went to morocco to get her her man and she was like i don't eat vegetables i don't like vegetables and you're like fuck god you're <laughs> fucking disgusting you and your chicken nuggets so remember when we uh, had our honeymoon at the hotel in Disney World? And, and Americans only ate chicken nuggets. Well, you're ruining the punchline, baby. Oh shit! Oh, did you stop at his punchline? Yeah. So we had uh, our honeymoon at this. Uh, I I heard about this recently, and that sounds fucking fantastic. This, yeah, and so I mean, Disney is Disney, and Disney has problems, and we're all aware of them. That being said, they're at the resorts. They pay buku bucks. Uh, to get these five-star chefs in to cook these amazing meals. And so when you stay at the African-themed part of the resort, they have legitimate African food. And there's, like, root vegetables and boar and, like, these amazing chutneys and, like, weird flavors. And they're amazing at the buffet. Mm -hmm. But And I didn't expect this, and I didn't notice it until you told me to look for it. But when we walk from the buffet back to our table, you look at everybody else's table. And without exaggerating... I swear, without exaggerating, 95% of the tables were full of nothing but chicken nuggets and mac and cheese. <laughs> it was so embarrassing to it me. It was really, American. really wild. And I was like, why are you here? Why are you staying at this resort like, where they oh, have ooh. nowhere else in the world? Like, in, in, I'm sorry, nowhere else in the United States can you get food of this, like, most authentic caliber. With really, really good chefs. Yes. Mm-hmm. Really, like, legitimately good, who, like, know their craft and know African food so well. And then, literally, mac and cheese and chicken nuggets the whole way through. Because white people and Americans are terrible. Western society and, like, white people and colonizers are fucked up. Much like the mail-order bride that was ordered in this play. Uh-huh. So... My yeah. issue. Let's with talk it. about the premise of the play. Or did you already yeah. get No, the premise of the play is this um, it's at the airport, and you see a gentleman who's a little bit older, nervously waiting. So, and it was the same uh, actor that actress. played the bartender. Yeah. Yeah. The bartender and the bride. Right. Brian and then said bride walks in, but she is a different character who ends up being a Russian woman. I don't know. Azerbaijan? 
Yes. Oh, why did I think she was? Uh, because there was someone else rushing in it. Anyways, the point is... This is fucking close enough. Also, her accent was really not great then. I liked her accent more than I liked the accent of the Russian in the previous play. Oh, that's fine. But um, she has a um, fake leg. Yeah, I agree. It was way better. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, She has has a fake leg. And and she feels like... That's right. She she has... A stiff leg. Yeah, Mm. and because she's over the age of 30, she feels like she's basically like the shittiest... Undateable. Undateable, unmarriable. Also, once again, she was like... Sorry, I am 31, and I'm like, lady, you're like 47. <laughs> Could yeah. you not scrounge up someone who is a little bit younger? Like, right. what the fuck? Not the, to memorize their lines. Um, so they meet, and she's being super direct. Like, she's basically treating it like it is an arrangement, which in the U.S. we're like, an, arranged, on an arrangement? That's not cool when it's like, it's a fucking arrangement when you bring someone from another country who's impoverished and you're like, you're going to live with me and I have nothing to offer other than the status of being an American. By the way, I think all marriages are arranged marriages between yourself and your future self. Cause you oh, never, that's deep man. You never know. You like, do. You're like, mm, I thought I was no. the one that said things that make you roll your eyes. <laughs> no, I also say things that make me all roll right. my eyes. Yeah. Especially all cause right. you're like about to get married. So. Oh, wait, ma- you're making an arrangement with your future self. Yeah. She's in the room. And she's in the room. Uh-huh. What I think this was, it was like a really <laughs> tone deaf portrayal of meeting someone online and bringing them to the U.S. I thought it was not, well, what's the word when you investigated? Oh, know. probably not. Yeah. Well, no, and it was interesting because there were points where I thought that and again this is going to be the same as the first one where it's like me putting too much yep. thought into it mm-hmm. but i thought that what the the thing that they were trying to say is there was like oh she's being very direct and she's calling it what it is is that like he needs a caretaker but he doesn't want to call it a caretaker so he's getting a mail order bride but she's like so direct that she's going to call it what it is and she's like look man like i'll put your catheter in if that's what you want but yeah like, she's like i'm gonna, i mean i guess she's very specific she's like i'm gonna take care of you i'm gonna take care of you i guess the unspoken thing is he's like well, kind of, I want to fuck you eventually. Well, yeah, he wants to be seen as, like, a sexual man. Yeah. Like I guess, an, but I guess, he doesn't have the vocabulary, I guess, to, like, say it out loud. That uh-oh. That's what he wants. He yeah. yeah, and I, I think that's the one thing I like about the writing for that play is, like, they, he never says it out loud, and she never says it out loud either. That's the only thing. But I it was like. interesting that she started out as the assertive character, and like, this is what you want. I know what you want. I'm going to give you what you want. Like, let's be upfront about this. I know this dynamic. And then it turned around, and she was the one that was like, I don't know anything. I'm naive. Mm-hmm. My my daughter is over there. Like, I just need money to send back. And like, why didn't you say that in the first place? Because I'm fulfilling this role. Because it went from her be- believing that they were both fulfilling each other's needs for an arrangement, but what it ends up being is exactly what he wanted, which is that he gets to be the man who is a savior. Yeah, she's right. still dependent on him. She becomes totally dependent on him. And, and financially mm-hmm. dependent on him, yeah. And he gets to be, like, this person that hugs her and is like, hey, it's all going to be all right. And it's like, oh, here we go again. Like, we just need to do to figure shit out for us. Um, oh, yeah. God. It was really I, like so. Yeah, I was like, did they like have a theme for these plays? Because they right. all just ended up being like really offensive about other countries. 
if well, then, not about women. Well, yeah, I was going to say, this is the first one wasn't necessarily other countries, but it was women. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I didn't, I like, the only thing that I thought was great was, in the writing of it was that she referred to something as a miracle, which is actually something that, that occurs in the natural world. That was beautiful. Mm-hmm. I really liked that. Mm-hmm. So, the scene specifically was, she says, I've seen miracles. He says, explain yourself. She says, I sat in a church in the same seat every day. And the reason I sat in that seat is because when the sun rose, the sun shone through the light in the stained glass and it made a rainbow. And he says, you dumb foreigner, rainbows aren't miracles. And she said, shut the hell up, you idiot. I've been to school. I know what a rainbow is. And she had this like very specific yeah. scientific definition of what re- the refraction of light is. She's like, and Isaac Newton describes it. Right. And I thought that was amazing. Yeah. And she's yeah. like, but guess what? It's still, and that, that was the specific lines where he says, Isaac Newton explained it. And she says, yeah, he explained it. He didn't make it. <clears throat> right. I that was uh, great. I like I, that. I, I actually didn't like that. I would disagree with that being an inter- interesting thing because I went to Catholic school. Oh. And they used the same logic where they were like, it's a miracle that the blood turns into wine. Uh-huh. Yeah, but like, and, and, no, and I would and I would be like, same. it's not a miracle because a you made that up, and b I right. mean, and it's also like, it's not a miracle that like something can refract light into a, a rainbow. It literally just is how the world works, which is miraculous. Like I think that's you missed the point. Yes, dumb, dumb. No, I didn't. Fuck you. No, no. But that <laughs> that no, but life is miraculous. To... Right. Exactly. No, light's not miraculous. Light just exists. No, it's not life, miraculous. like, no. like, oh, light, like light. the fact that atoms exist, the fact that grass grows, the fact that the sun is like not burning us, but is actually perfect for creating like an environment. I'm sorry, I went in the sun for like life. 20 minutes and I got burned today. It's you not miraculous. You're not supposed to be alive. It's but about, I'm a Mexican vampire. It's about finding the holy in the mundane. Holy so, guacamole. All right. And this has been an episode of the normal people. <laughs> and so stacking wood can be a holy experience. Well, no, not that, but yes, something else. That. <laughs> and, you know, the fact that water turns into ice is amazing. But it, it's not amazing. It, it just happens all... It, shit freezes. It's right, just but things amazing. that You're happen every day can still fuck. be amazing. Uh-huh. Childbirth is the weirdest thing that happens every single day. It's weird. It's crazy. There's another human life created inside another human. It happens constantly, all the time. In the time it took me to say the words all the time, like three babies were born, but it's still weird. It's still crazy and it's still miraculous. And the fact that a white beam of light can hit a piece of glass and become more different colors is weird. The fact that it happens frequently doesn't make it any less What weird. was it about the insane clown posse? What did they say about uh, magnets? Magnets. How do they work? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. I think I'm I'm not impressed by rainbows because it's only like you know, there's so many different types of colors out there that we can't see and we're only limited by our fucking eyeballs. So it I doesn't make it more amazing? It makes it less amazing. Your glass is half full when it comes to rainbows. I'm glasses half empty, you mean to say. Half full? Half empty? Isn't that the same thing? Yeah, that's the question, isn't it? Mm-hmm.
So anyways, I like that part. That was the only thing that I was like, okay, like that's relatable. It isn't based on some fucking ignorant idea of right. foreigners okay. and yeah. women. And in that like, sense, in the structure of the play, I agree with you guys. Like, yeah. That was a good part of the play. It was like the it was only nice part. to hear her say like, uh, yeah, I'm educated. I'm a human being. I've been to college. Yes. Like I, I know mm-hmm. what light is. Because they very easily could have gone the other way if she had said, like, oh, I've seen a miracle. It's light. And he's like, oh, you're a dumb foreigner. I mean, he still basically did. And she was like, I don't have a leg. It was just it, the whole thing. was. But, I did like his suit. I thought his suit was appropriate to him as a person. It was so shitty and dowdy. <laughs> and, like, <laughs> and, like, it was just, like, a big, square, ugly suit. I liked the audio of the... Uh airport at the beginning that was great i thought yeah his mask like he was like so anxious about her coming and like, yeah that yeah. was cute with the two yeah. of them and not recognizing each other yeah that's fine can we talk about my favorite thing do your thing oh my god so the first three plays were 10 minutes each more or less probably yeah, yeah. the last so there were four total the final one was and based on the description i read written in real time meant to take place over the course of one hour okay yeah and and that, that was called dead play that was written by tom stewart and directed by Rhiannon mccarthy and so everything i say after this i'll say with the preamble of i want to see this play again done with people who've had more time to prepare for it because okay. i think that it was a little distracting that they had the words in front of them. Yeah, they're on they're on they, book for this. And play. they yeah, missed sure. their they missed their marks a couple times, and there were parts where they stumbled. Yeah, but like I want I want this exact thing to be done as a short film. I want it to be seen as a movie. I want it to be seen as a play. Like they yeah. hit it. They hit it perfectly. The writing was so good all throughout. I loved every part of this, and it was so weird to me to get your both of your reactions to my reaction to it because i legitimately thought it was brilliant i mean I you were you're so good so that was the last play and, and it closed and we're like okay let's jordan and i were like okay let's get the fuck out of here right and you were like wait no uh, is i'm it, still like i, w- I want to go backstage and like fight. is the guy yeah, here yeah, like, let's yeah, talk yeah, to him you're like, like, let's like make so this excited happen. like there were so many layers so all these playwrights live in san diego so yeah i mean i could find him like honestly like i i i this this is absolutely a screenplay so let me say this about the director uh rhiannon mcafee uh i saw her in uh a like a 10 minute play festival that i was in and she did this fucking awesome role where she she played like this role where um she was like getting her friend she had like saved up a bunch of her husband's cum and she was getting her friend to like in, impregnate her with a turkey baster mm-hmm. on stage. And it did was she like, write that or she just acted? No, she just acted in it. Uh-huh. But she just did it so well. And like she was known, like, like they were like, oh, you're going to memorize this. And it was like she memorized the entire fucking thing. She's, so, so the director was, is also a fucking amazing director. actor. I just, I just wanted to point that out. It was I, very. Because I'm wasted. It was, I mean, it, so that's what this is. I mentioned this earlier, just that. It's interesting to me that in the year 2019, writing plays has existed for as long as it has, and I almost feel like every play should just be about how writing plays is weird. You know, I want it would be, but I want every play to be like you know, Sindersha New York. I want every play to be like you know, this thing where it's like it's all a commentary on itself. Like I feel like we should be on that wave. Synecdoche. Synecdoche, New York. Yeah. Um, 
And so the this play was great because it scratched that itch for me because there were a lot of breaking the fourth wall moments. And yes, the very first play had that as well. There was like the opening was like the bartender mentioning to the bride like hey there's all these people looking at you and i was like oh that's us yeah Where are that, the people that was pretty good you? actually it's fun like but it's that's like it's a punchline like that we're parlor the tricks exactly no it was it absolutely was parlor <laughs> tricks whereas in the fourth film the players were aware of the fact that this was a play and there was a commentary on the and there was like a wink and a nudge the whole way throughout so i mean you can't read the entire if you could see him, he is literally physically motioning with excitement he's, and like he has dimples. He's bouncing uh, up and down, which he did in the car on our way home too. So it's a play about people who are playing a role oh, in okay. a setting, uh-huh. and within that setting, they break the confines of that role while still playing the same character. I feel like neither of you followed it in the same way that I followed it. I think, I think Kevin's too smart for this podcast. Oh, I totally disagree. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what I think is that he did what the writer wanted him to do. Was pay, pay attention? Mm, yeah. But I felt like they were doing that, and so the content of what they were talking about, including killing children, genocide, and, like, being very like like trying to do ethnic cleansing was not even secondary it was like the fourth or fifth thing and you and you kind of are like that crazy guy who like committed genocide he's funny and like it was again like super problematic super shitty yeah. and the and so it's like if if we're going to do this like this is a play of a play of a play then like, how about not tread on, like, territory that exists? Yes, Wait, so, 100%. So, no, it, so it do, you, do you mind nailing down the premise just so we I can... I can try. Get so, get okay. Yeah. So, there is... The premise is that there's a setting... There's a company where when you are, specifically in this situation, you're a person who has... Uh, who's going to be called before a tribunal of some kind. And I imagine people that sign up for the service, maybe they're called before trials or whatever it is. The point being, you have this mock trial, you have this mock tribunal to where they take it very seriously. There's these rules set in place and you sit down with these actors who play the people who are going to be asking you questions and they grill you really, really hard and they try and break you and you have that experience before you sit down in front of the actual trial, in front of the actual tribunal. That's basically the whole thing. So there's this person who is, as we learn over the course of the play, an actually very bad person being interviewed by these other two people who, one of which has a pretty strong moral character and the other of which is just pretty much an actor. And so the person with strong moral character finds out that things are getting pretty real and has to uh wrestle with the you know morality of i have this information now do i continue on with my job which is just preparing this this person's paid me to prepare them for this pre you know future interview or do i use this information that i've gotten in a different way Mm -hmm. that was at its most basic i think that was pretty much the pro yeah there was like the two actors one one is like an actual activist and the other one is like just but the actual activist 
is a law abiding person who's like we'll never be able to nail him down because of this is how the law is and is a fucking the except for she has, except for she has a gun that fake she, gun fake or a gun that yeah Mm-hmm. Yeah, so so she's flaccid, and then mm-hmm. the so other... over the course of the mm-hmm. play, the dictator is interviewed. Now, in the interview, the people who are playing the role of the interviewers, and so this is where the layers come in, is because we're watching them. We know it's a play, so they're playing people who are playing people, and the people that are playing people get to do time in and time out. It reminded me. I'm sorry. I'm gonna do this for just one second. Reminded me. (laughs) She knows what I'm gonna do. Saved by the Bell. Now, Saved by the Bell is a brilliant. She knows what you're gonna do. Saved by the Bell is a brilliant TV show, and I'm gonna start my own podcast. I'm gonna do Saved by the Bell as my own podcast. I'm just gonna plug it right now for the future. What's wait? What's the title of your Saved by the Bell podcast? Beat, 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 go Bayside. All right, you heard it here first. So anyway, uh, the timeout thing is employed. So they time out from the play, but they're not timing out from our play. They're timing out from their play. Right. And when they time out from their play, they go to a separate section. Oh, excuse me. Was that upsetting? Of the stage. <laughs> and there's this whole separate thing going on. So I really liked that. I would be watching a play and I'd be looking off at one side of the stage and I'd glance over at you and you were looking off at the other side of the stage. And there was a legitimate turn in this play. Oh, I was sleeping the whole time. You were not. There was I, a legitimate, I could not pay attention to this play. There was a legitimate all. turn. And like I saw things, I saw little clues being mm-hmm. planted sure. in the first sure, two sure, minutes sure. that one million percent paid off at the end. And I was like, that guy, that coughing that he's doing, that's intentional. That's going to be a thing at the end. And it of course was. it was intentional. It was overacted. I knew no the second way. he did it, I was like, all right, man, here we go. He's what poison- you knew I knew he was, he was going to be poisoned I fucking by the 100% water. knew he was being poisoned. Yes. No way. Are you fucking nuts? I knew what the goddamn shit was happening. I just thought they should do it better. Ooh. And so, <laughs> while you had stepped away, I was saying that I want to see this play done again i want to see it done again with people who who like with time and i want to see it not as like a as a part of a local showcase i want to see it as like this is the thing that they've prepared like a like months for i want to see i mean i would like to read it this and this that's what and say that again because this is what i'm talking about i'm not gonna say it again I'm sorry. You had said that <laughs> hey, hey, fuck you. I'm not going to say that again. <laughs> you had said that previously, and that like it's heard interesting. The There's like a way that they told the story that is really cool, and like I, I agree yeah, yeah, yeah. that the problematic aspect of they're talking about genocide, and that that's the thing that's frustrating is that the genocide isn't the most interesting thing. No, about and, it. and no, it's not supposed to be. Which right, is and fine. that's the problem. Yeah, no, it's not fine. That's the problem. Is yeah. that like you could make it be anything. It doesn't have to be genocide. Right. It could be literally anything. It could be that he decided to it like. Could be a divorce hearing. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe okay, whatever. It, it doesn't matter. You could make it be that he cut off the toes of the, all the firstborn or something. He didn't have to murder them. I mean, them. that's fucking rude. Right. Exactly. Because you can't balance mm-hmm. without your big toe. And I think your pinky toe. What do you do with all those toes? Necklaces. You know, I always thought it was fucking hella lame when people were like, "My toes fell off and I can't balance anymore." I'm like. You can't fucking walk without toes. No, you can't. That's you fun. legitimately can't. Like, we're engineered. I'm like, we're going to have a pussy, are you? You can't walk without toes. Oh, Walk God. a mile in my shoes without toes. <laughs> Dude, check this shit out. Rachel, where's the knife? Uh-uh. Yeah, we're cutting your toes off. So uh-uh. here's, here's, um, 
when you when you're like i think all plays should be like this weird like, i don't think that all should i'm just surprised that more aren't there where we are now okay you're you're kind of <laughs> okay you're you're turning me around to your perspective okay about not me play. because you interrupted me so i'll say you're married so right yeah. so yeah there's that what i want is a one fucking play that doesn't goddamn offend me Give me one fucking play. The writing is all garbage. I mean, this, so this play, the writing was interesting, and I'll give it to you that it the, was. It the was structure. Your was enthusiasm almost won me over on the car ride home. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna say, you're. It did not win me over on the car ride home because I was just frightened by it. Sure. And and yeah. and too anxious. Yeah. Sure. Because I didn't know how to uh, process that. Yeah. No, I didn't. Right. Yes, that's right. It's fine. But now that I've had like four or five drinks, mm-hmm. I can I can I can take it in. Um, but the structure is cool. Yeah. But the writing sucks. Well, and right? here's the thing: is that for someone who is like me, who who I, I don't have a, an attention span. So the fact that her wig sucked, the fact that the but that reading, was the point. Listen. No, I don't listen. think it was. The wig fell off when it was supposed to. Well, no, that's, that's true. not that's true. my point. God damn it. And if you interrupt me again, I will fucking drag you they out of this goddamn it. place <laughs> and fight you. So, listen. The wig sucked. And on, I kept being like, no. The wig sucked. There's no reason. On purpose. There's no, no reason that it was supposed to be baby blue with a darker blue yes. fringe on the there bottom. There was a reason. No. 100% yeah, no. there was a reason. It fell off when it was supposed to. It was supposed to be a bad wig. That they was the one it. trick. Was, no, it wasn't oh, a trick. Sorry, At the audience, beginning, I they addressed the that she was wearing a wig. They said out loud, well, I, you're no. wearing this wig to play this role. Yeah, no, I know. Well, I, th- I think that it was supposed to be obvious that the wig fell off, but I don't think it was supposed to be obvious that it was a shitty wig. Like a shake and go, ugly. Yes. No, okay. First of all, I'm going to need okay. you to fucking no. zip it. Heard. Wait, okay. wait, wait, you're not in charge. You can talk. No, I'm she in charge of one. not getting no, interrupted by a white dude. She is. 100% <laughs> always. So. I'm not sure that that argument flies. Well, it flies yeah, it in, in this situation where I'm trying to explain why I didn't buy it. Wait, I'm trying to, um, which play? Oh, no, this <laughs> is, this is, this, this is a Venus and first play that we're going to see on Friday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. So, so with this, I think that I was so preoccupied with. Things like um, her blazer not fitting right. Uh-huh. Don't, don't, don't even. And then with you mean gray, grays? What's yeah, called gray? Yeah, things like that. And then, then yeah, the they, other I mean, the costuming in these. But the other actress looks like was way put together. The reading was really hard because they they did keep messing up their lines, and I have a really yeah. hard time with paying attention. And I have a really hard time with suspension of disbelief. So that like fully took me out of it. So it in like inevitably made me critique it differently. I mean, yeah, the uh, the character Toby White, uh, played by Opie Hadlock. Uh, Wait, I'm sorry, is his name Opie? As in like from the Andy Griffith show? I'm sorry, his name is his first name is O P like letters O P. Op. Op. Sorry, op, op, headlock. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, he kept on fucking it up. Yeah, and but he time. had great body language. Um, I his, wanted him to great body language. Yeah, and his, I wanted him to be better at it because I was like, your body language is yeah, great, man. His voice is good. I mean, also, I didn't believe. I mean, dude is like 
67 years old and he's like, my daughter's in fucking, uh, <laughs> my daughter's play, my six year old daughter. No, I, get... I believe that. I'm like, they can still swim, man. You're, you're, you know. It was not, sorry, I'm sorry. Yeah, but. I'm sorry, I don't mean to be ageist, but there was too many fucking old people in this, in this whole night. But I wonder, okay, first of all, A, we're going to see old people act tomorrow. And oh, well, yeah, I'm that's not amazing. sick of it. So tomorrow we're going to go to the North Park Vaudeville Theater and Candy Shop. And we're going to go see, what is it called, Kevin? The uh, old people doing improv. That's exactly what it's called. <laughs> and, and, and I just want to say that your enthusiasm is appreciated. <laughs> no, you know, get out of here. Kevin found this show because uh, he's the new host the Normal Theater Podcast. Welcome to the host show. Anyways. The host show. That's what it's actually called now. It's called the host show. <laughs> you heard it from Bud. He's not drunk at all. It's just the host show. It's fine. I thought that Darcy Harmon did a great job. I know. Darcy mm-hmm. was in the Dead yeah. Play. And she did a great job. And yeah, she it, has also ap- uh, appeared in North Park Vaudeville. And that's where the old yeah, people. It, in as much in. as she was forced to like do yoga for like. What, 45 minutes? Yeah, she, she did, did great. it enthusiastically. Yeah, sure. The everyone is that the a... reason the blazer fit the way it fit was because of the role that she was playing. And I'm so glad you were there to give them this credit that I will never give to anything, really. But like I was really excited that someone like was so pumped. Kevin really liked it a lot. Really liked it and you were so happy and that made me like that's the effort right is like so like when i do something creative like my effort like the best fucking feeling is when someone is like holy shit and like there's a there's a moment of being moved right Mm -hmm. and and i do hope for everyone even though i don't prefer the theater arts to being flogged um (laughs) i think you do now yeah go for it um I think it's really important for people who are being creative to also be able to be effective. And like the fact that you had that enthusiasm, like I'm fucking stoked for them that they like did what they set out to do, which was made someone like believe it and get happy and be impacted and be like, that was fucking awesome. I I think that was probably the most impactful experience. I think you probably had the most impactful experience of anyone else in the audience. For that play, because I, I think the guy behind me was kind of loud. He might have enjoyed it and was chuckling his ass off about it, but I think mm. that like if you were, I mean, you literally were like, "I'm gonna write." I'm yeah, gonna play. yeah, you no, got seriously stoked. like, like well, and it's so frustrating like, because like I, I I I follow like a lot of writers on different t- forms of social media, and so I see things, and so I keep thinking like to be meta is like not even meta anymore and like we're like supposed just, to be just past that yeah. right exactly and that's just annoying but like the way that they did it was so fun and like they're and i mentioned this in the car but like they're so we saw the first three plays which i feel like almost all of them had people doing bad slavic accents yes the whole way they through all did yeah but yeah. in that fourth play they talked about accents openly and they were like hey these accents are bad mm-hmm. and, and, and they the, referenced specifically the oceans franchise and how yeah, don shield played a character who did a very bad accent and <laughs> okay. kevin kept on talking about this and i was like 
I don't know what you're talking about. And I don't no, care. No, the Robin Hood, care. the Robin Hood films. Okay, the sure. Robin Hood reference yeah. is cute. Yes, and yeah. how in the first twenty minutes of that film, he's doing a British accent, and then it's not that accent anymore. But I mean, you could also mention Braveheart. There's like a million. Yeah. Yes, exactly. There's a lot of. Uh, uh, I mean, I would say that uh, James Steinberg, who uh-huh. played the president, uh, Callus. Yeah. Callus. Yes. His accent was great. His this accent was. I said this is the beginning. He probably held the that best, accent all throughout. Probably the best accent of anyone. Yes, you laughed at me when I said that previously. Oh, I just do that to keep you yeah, in place. That's true. She I'm does. sorry. It's not. I'm abusive, and I hate theater. But. I loved his accent throughout. I thought he did a great job. I thought that, and so my point is, so they this reference, guy. This and this great. is what was so fun, is that they reference the Oceans franchise, and within the Oceans franchise, there's this whole thing about how, like, there's these guys, they steal a thing, and you think it's a pretty straightforward movie, but then you get to the end, and it's like, oh, it wasn't what you thought it was. There's this turn, and the play was the same way, where you think it's one thing, and you think it's going to be straightforward. It's a play about these people interviewing this guy. But then there's these layers and there's these cameras and like the audio is turned off and the audio is turned on and like these people who I you think are the, the people that are supposed to be. I wish the could show your your interpretive dance movement. <laughs> explanation. Wait, of I, all I of think this. he just did YMCA. No, YMCA. he fully did a YMCA like shifting around. And also, what people don't realize, like I don't have a huge reaction to what's happening here because I live with him. But I will be in the other room and he's watching. I think last night was Deadpool. Dead, not Deadpool, but Deadpool, Deadpool. too. And then before Deadpool that was Godzilla. Okay. But he was watching, I think it was while you were watching Godzilla. Godzilla vs. King Ghidorah, the 1992 version. He's obviously drunk. Uh, he was like. But he's so good. He's he was so like, much better than I am. Oh, yeah. He's, he's better than anyone. He can speak. But he was like, nice. no. It's oh, nice. no. What? So and I can Godzilla hear him in the King other Ghidorah, room. The 1992 version. There's this great scene where they travel back to the past, where Godzilla was first born, mm. and these two American actors are playing Japanese, and it's hilarious. But they watch. <laughs> it's being, it's very funny. And so there's this alien craft that crashes down into the island, and the and one American turns to the other one. And he's like, "Should we report this?" And the guy's like, "No, no one will ever believe of us. Don't talk about the aliens. And the only person you should ever tell is your son." Mr. Spielberg. Right. right. And so he believed he was that they were giving a nod to Spielberg. They obviously were. It was like this Japanese film where they knew that Steven Spielberg was... I'm just Spielberg wondering if they're like, a... what's an American last name? They're like, uh, Spielberg. And no, like, okay. that was clearly Steven yeah, okay. Spielberg. Okay, the next time we do this with, with Kevin, we're going to film it. It's, we have to. <laughs> yeah. So like, he's like... I mean, look, look at him. He's like cracking up in the living room and i was so like good. and he came in to tell he's me like he's like elmo yeah and he came in <laughs> he came in to tell me this whole thing and i was like cool. and I was like, yeah, that's, that's great baby that's great that is that sounds really good i've never seen a godzilla movie be so self-referential i don't know that it also uh, i want that on a t-shirt i've never seen a godzilla movie be so self-referential. yeah we could do that yeah we'll get sure. right on that spielberg you are Spielberg. Yeah, so so what we do know is that we can find people who love every moment of going to the theater. No, not every moment. I mean, there were parts of this that weren't great, but I mean... You, when we, when it, you looked at me and you were bummed that we were leaving so quickly and you said... I would honestly wait backstage to talk to those people. Right, and you said, that I, was brilliant. The last... Of those four plays was you were, legitimately you were super stoked. Brilliant. Yeah, and he hates it because I'm like, yeah, 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 let's go, let's go, let's go, and he's like, 
like you have like this reverence and i'm like yeah. i don't fucking care i mean but yeah. but i, I when, when you were like oh are we gonna go and i was like it's not a fucking Marvel comics movie. Like, there's not. Oh no, I know, but you wait and like in the. I've been to plays before. The people and the actors that come out into the lobby. This fucking do better. So no, it's true. Sometimes they do. Okay, and, but and I don't care. And I wanted to I see know. my buddy David. Sure. Okay, but, but here's the thing. But then again, at that point, my neck was cramping up, and I needed to drink fucking whiskey. He believes that you should sit through all of the fucking credits at the end of movies to give, like the people who worked on even like the lighting and stuff credit so like even mm. when there isn't he he like sits through the whole thing and it's like man why do they have credits isn't that the question i think uh, i don't know i think they only have credits um no good reason no there is a good reason okay what's a good reason because it's to give reverence it's to give appreciation to those people that worked on the film right if you watch so a film from the 1930s there's like 10 seconds of credits and they list like the executive director executive producer and the actors and that's it but there are all these other people that worked on it who will never know the names of because they're never appreciated hard working class americans of color gay people probably and you they don't know that at all maybe you don't know because you're they didn't to list me them. and you're a dummy all right fine the point is now they're required to list every single person who ever touched this film hmm. and we ignore it and we walk out we don't even thank them for you're that you're right no, I'm gonna and the only it. way to do that the only tiny way we have to do that is to sit down for literally 30 seconds it's a minute and like a half. at least five minutes you... it's not five minutes i think the only way to do that is to venmo them like 50 cents yeah there that's you not go. gonna happen but the point is you just sit down and you watch the names go across and you look at the different names and you see the different roles and you're like wow so i there, have there, reverence for these people there's like an eye roll like the one i don't the eye roll. have no reverence for it i mean jordan didn't, didn't roll her eyes actually like one of her eyes closed and the other stayed open it was <laughs> insane because i'm like you, you, yeah you fucking they got paid they're fine yeah they're fine they're not I'm, fine those like the oh, the, the, the grip oh like he got i mean also they're working in hollywood which creates like horrible like understandings of i guarantee they're making more money than me and i don't feel bad yeah they 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 further like horrible uh narratives about how people are in the world that are like completely yeah um, i mean you inaccurate right you have i I guess i'm talking shit about hollywood and how hollywood describes our lives and how that makes us girls say i believe you yeah yeah all this is disney I love Disneyland. <laughs> yeah, careful with that. Well, no. no, Disney's fucking horrible. It yeah. is, and I have chosen to ignore that. What, what, like, what, what, how has Disney treated the women of our culture? Terrible, oh, right? no, yeah, no, totally. But oh. it's one of those things where I'm like, you know, but just, do you have enough whiskey? I'm fine. But it serves me, and I oh, still God, drink like this it. whole bottle of whiskey. Jesus Christ! It's a tiny bottle. It's not that small. It's a giant bottle. That's what she said. Um... <laughs> <laughs> So 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 we went to Vons on Adams Avenue tonight, mm-hmm. and we all bought whiskey. Can we get sponsored together. by Vons? We well, now be, he is a part of this well, podcast. Be, yeah. <laughs> okay. You know what? This it's. I mean, it's, it's driving me insane. Kevin Kevin is the new podcast host. Yeah. Don't give me that responsibility. But here's the thing: is that I was like, if I ever do a podcast, I would let him edit it, but. Dude, he, that's what fucking Rachel said. Rachel's like, I want to be the podcast editor. Yeah, we need to edit a little bit, but 
we're so oh, what funny. are you trying to say about my editing prowess, huh? But like, because you give us way too much credit for the things we say because they're really <laughs> funny and cute because we love ourselves. That's but, right. but um, I also know that I can't give him that kind of control on things because he like really like he, he like makes everything perfect. And That's crisp. what I say about when Rachel's like, I want to edit your podcast. I'm like, no, I'm saying, nah, it's yeah, I'm part. like, you know what? Let's just like, if it feels good, do it. Fucking. Let's ride this till the wheels come off. I have a bone to pick with Instagram followers. <laughs> Zach Morris of Saved by the Bell is actually a demigod sent to Earth in order to learn more <laughs> about drunk. the culture yeah. of <laughs> Earth. I agree. Yeah. I agree. Tune in to Beat, 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 Go Bayside. Yeah. <sighs> Uh, so I have to give a ton of credit to my, my, the, the fair sex right here. My lovely what Kevin, the fuck? What the... <laughs> my husband, my, for, for doing this with me. I love that we're redefining the fair sex as the husbands. I mean, he's are... much kinder, softer, and nicer than I am. And fair. Yeah. You're ruining, this isn't funny. You're ruining the magic. Well, no. It's funnier if you're mean to me. No. No, no, I have to, well, I mean to you all the time, it's fine. But but I have to thank you I, I for doing this with me because I know that I don't let you interrupt me. And that I make fun of your happiness and enthusiasm and joy. That's true. She hates when I'm happy. <laughs> so I have to thank my husband for doing this with me. Kevin, do you have any other, any, anything final else to thoughts, say about, like Jerry final Springer. thoughts about this uh, play event tonight when in the course of human <laughs> events it becomes necessary for one peoples to distance itself he's from another it. he's still fucking doing it oh, i got so close that's all i have no do it keep going oh, i know i know it. i used to have it i've memorized pi to the 100th digit get out of here with your pie no you're doing <clears> it you're doing <throat> okay okay here we go Three point one four one five nine two six five three five eight nine seven nine three two three eight four six two six four three three eight three two seven nine. No, fuck! I'm too drunk. No, no, I want the monologue. Three point one four one five nine two six five three five eight nine seven nine three two three eight four six two six four three three eight three two seven nine five two eight nine six four. No, I can't get it. I'm sorry. Edit this out. Wow, that's so disappointing. I know. 3.1415926535897932238462643382279 Fay Fay He walks through our house doing things like this. Yeah, it's all right. Yeah. 4971692795120 <laughs> And there's a dent there and a dent there. 974945923846203899 Two three seven eight four six two zero six two eight six two zero eight nine nine eight six two eight zero three four eight two one one four two nine seven eight six nine yeah two nine seven nine one two three four seven nine six nine eight seven nine one two three four seven nine two nine four I'm just gonna say numbers it's fine you remember from Royal Tenenbaum, the dude, the little dude um, who kept being like, "There's a dent there, and a dent there, and a dent there." Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh huh. Three point one four one five nine two six five three five eight nine seven nine three two seven n
Math has to do with everything. And on that note, let's close it. <laughs> I have nothing to say. Three point one four one four nine two six five This has been another episode of the Normal Theater Podcast. Three point one four one five nine two six five three five eight nine seven nine three two three eight four six two six four three three eight three two seven nine five zero two eight eight four one nine seven six nine two nine two seven five eight nine zero. Kevin Kevin Jordan, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Three point one four one five nine two six five three five eight nine seven nine two three.